Good morning, saints of God. Good to see you all today. My name is Travis Stevens. I'm the Global Outreach Director. And so happy y'all could uh, be with us for worship this morning. If you're new or visiting, special welcome to you. We have connect cards on the seat backs in front of you. If you would take a moment, fill one of those out with as much information as you want and drop it in the seat in the uh, black boxes as you leave. That would be awesome. Uh, we do have one more opportunity this month for a Discover Good News class. If you want to learn more about our church, uh, what we believe, um, and maybe take the next step towards membership, uh, this is the class for you. So you can uh, register for that on the Connect card. That would be awesome. Uh, maybe you saw the really pretty table out there. I did not direct, uh, you know, put that together. It would look much different if I did. But Christmas gatherings is coming up. Basically, what we're doing is we want to train you how to host a party and invite your neighbors and have someone who's trained come and share the gospel with your neighbors. So it's going to be an amazing outreach opportunity. And so we have a training coming up. So I'd like to ask you if you're willing to host a dinner at your house, invite some neighbors, uh, maybe get trained also if you're interested in maybe sharing the gospel in an informal setting. Uh, this would be an amazing opportunity. Uh, so we're hoping that everyone participates in this in some way. And it's going to be awesome. So you can sign up on your card for that or grab one of those things as you leave. So as you may know, we start churches all over the world. And it's really amazing what God's done through the years. And one of these key countries is India. And so I'd like to invite Larry and Priscilla Griggs to join me up here on stage. Uh, throughout the years, welcome them. Come on up. Good News Church has partnered with 25, I counted last night, 25 churches in the Manipur State, India, through our key leader, Ken Tombing. Ken's an amazing guy. They had the opportunity in 2009 to go over and hang out with Ken and uh, Dave Ackerman at our other campus. He's now going each year and training pastors over there. So he was there uh, last year. Uh, so we have a great connection there and there's really some unprecedented things happening in India. So we wanted to share with you what's going on over there so that you could be praying because it's pretty wild. So please share with us about your experience and what's going on in India. Good morning, Good News Church. time ago <laughs> but uh, we had a got received in just the most amazing way by Ken and his family uh, if you look at the map you can see that uh, Indy has a little bit of a bridge that goes over towards Myanmar and that's where we were right on the border of Myanmar <laughs> and when we got there we had we were greeted greeted with all this love and we were given all this wonderful food and the best chai tea I've ever had in my life. And uh, we immediately got measured. And this is the, you know, this is the, tr the tribal uh, print that they use in wh where Ken is located. So you can see a little bit there and here. And I got a, a this is a polo cap. And then they also made us backpacks. These are Indian backpacks back of your back like that attached through your head on your head so we were just it was just amazing and uh, they are just such loving people and they are truly our brothers and sisters in Christ there and uh, I'm gonna let, give the mic to Larry my husband and he can tell you more about what's going on today um, good morning uh, there's always been a lot of tension in this part of India between the different tribes and the different religions. Uh, Christians are a minority, Hindus are the majority. But since May, Ken Tombing has informed us of the violence by Hindu terrorists with either the acquiescence or the support of the Manipur government that are targeted at the minority Christians. Um, if you, as you can see, the death count is 134 martyrs. Churches and pastors' homes, three, over 357 have been burned. Over 4,550 houses, 257 settlements, and over 45,000 displaced persons. What I want you to know is they're being persecuted because they're Christians. And we can't just turn our heads on that because we were involved in leading them to accepting Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And we also want you to know 
that they love you. When we went to Infall, which is the capital of Hanapur, we couldn't go out to the villages because it was too dangerous. We had to stay in Lamka, in Ken and Reed's house, and they would come to us, and they brought us chickens, and they brought us goats. They even have a painting of a village that they've given to the church of us when we were there. So they love you. They are our brothers and sisters in Christ. And Ken's asked that we pray for them. And so I'd like to lead us in a prayer right now. Most gracious Heavenly Father, please send your Holy Spirit to guide us and to help us pray. Father, we ask that you strengthen our brothers and sisters in Manipur. We know that you work all things out to the good of those who love you and that those who trust in the Lord are blessed. And Father, you are our light and our salvation. You're our rock, you're our strength, you're our hiding place. You are our everything. And we ask that you would increase our faith and you would increase the faith of our brothers and sisters in Infall because we know you will work this out for good and for your glory. And brother, Father, we also pray for the Hindu terrorists and the government officials that you would soften their hearts and that they would accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior and that you would supernaturally transfer them like you changed Saul to become Paul. And Father, in the name of our Lord and Savior, your Son, Jesus Christ, we ask that you would shine your face upon the people of Infall in Manipur. Amen. Thank you, Larry and Priscilla. Thanks so much. Smiley, come on up. We have some uh, baptism and some folks joining, so let's start out with the baptism. If I can light the rollers up. Have Benjamin Roller, who's uh, professed his faith in Christ, comes to be baptized today. You can see right in the middle here. And, uh, and to join Good News. Uh, Benjamin, you ever been really dirty? taking a shower and felt really, really clean. So in a moment, I'm going to take some water and pour it over your head. And it's really symbolic that when we believe in Jesus, that his blood cleanses us from all of our sins. And once we're cleansed, his Holy Spirit fills us up so that we can live a new life. So let me pray for you, and then we'll baptize you. Lord, thanks for Benjamin Roller. Thank you for bringing him to saving faith in you. Lord, we pray as the water is poured over his head, that you would assure him that he's forgiven of all of his sins, past, present, and future through faith, and that you, Holy Spirit, have moved into him to make possible a whole new way of living. Lord, we're so excited about his faith in this day and pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Benjamin Roller, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So excited. Let's, let's give God thanks for that. And it's really special, too, because Benjamin comes not only professing faith in Christ and being baptized, but joining the church along with his mom and dad, Perry and Trish, and we're excited about them. And we had a couple yesterday. I'm going to invite them up, too, because they came to our Discover Good News yesterday and are coming to take their membership vows as well. Come on up. Yep. <clears throat> we have Jim and Gail Cargillo, and uh, they came. I didn't scare them away in Discover Good News. Come on up, we can get you over here. And uh, we, we do have one on Wednesday. If you'd love to come, that would be great. Great to have Jim and, and Gail with us as well. Uh, you guys have put your faith in Christ and are coming now to take membership vows. And listen, for those of you who are members, it's really good to hear the membership vows and be reminded of the vows that we took as well. So let me ask you, do you acknowledge yourselves to be sinners in the sight of God justly deserving His wrath and hopeless without His, mer with, without his mercy? And do you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ as the Son of God and Savior of sinners? And do you trust Him alone for salvation as He's offered in the gospel? I do. 
And do you now resolve and promise in humble reliance upon the grace of the Holy Spirit that you will seek to live as followers of Christ should? It sounds so good. Thank you. Do you promise to support the church and its worship and work to the best of your ability? I do. And do you submit yourself to the government and discipline of the church and promise to promote its purity and peace? I do. Okay, let's pray. Lord, thank you for calling folks to you. And Lord, thank you for bringing them into our body. Help us to welcome them. Help them to grow here. And Lord, those gifts and abilities that you've given to them, may you use them in our midst to help us become more and more the body of Christ you would have us to be. And we pray in Jesus' name, amen. amen. Now, I'm going to welcome them, but really encourage you after the service that you find them and make sure they feel welcome. So glad, so glad to have you. Welcome, part, welcome. Thank you, welcome, Thank you. welcome. Thank you. Okay, thank you, guys. Thank you. Now, this week we do rejoice. We saw one person put their faith in Jesus Christ, and we rejoice with that. In our family, we had a special week that our son Nathan, that I forgot to say at the first service, and his wife Megan, they had their first son, uh, Harrison Riggs, who was born last Sunday. And we, 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 that's a good thing. After we had a string of six girls uh, as grandkids, now we've had two boys in a row, so... Uh, that was special. Now, this, was, this is our Good News Camp. You might wonder where some of the people are here. Uh, a lot of them are there. We had a, a, a great crowd of people went to our first Good News Camp, and you see them here, and uh, having a great, great time together. Isn't that an amazing picture? I, I love that. Um, all right. If you have your Bible, uh, you could turn with me to 2 Timothy chapter 2. If you're new, we believe the Bible is God's Word, and we love to open it up and, and learn about Jesus together. And so if you're able to, w would you stand as, as I read God's Word? 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14, Remind them of these things and solemnly charge them in the presence of God not to wrangle about words, which is useless and leads to the ruin of the hearers. Be diligent to present yourself approved to God as a workman who does not need to be ashamed accurately handling the word of truth. But avoid worldly and empty chatter, for it will lead to further ungodliness, and their talk will spread like gangrene. Among them are Hymenaeus and Philetus, men who have gone astray from the truth, saying that the resurrection has already taken place, and they upset the faith of some. Nevertheless, the firm foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are His, and everyone who names the name of the Lord is to abstain from wickedness. Now in a large house there are not only gold and silver vessels, but also vessels of wood and of earthenware, and some to honor and some to dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from these things, he will be a vessel for honor, sanctified, useful to the master, prepared for every good work. Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. But refuse foolish and ignorant speculations, knowing that they produce quarrels. The Lord's bondservant must not be quarrelsome, but be kind to all, able to teach, patient when wronged, with gentleness correcting those who are in opposition, if perhaps... God may grant them repentance, leading to the knowledge of the truth, and they may come to their senses and escape from the snare of the devil, having been held captive by him to do his will. Uh, you may be seated. Uh, let me pray for us. Lord, we're thankful you've given us your word, the word of God. And Lord, we're so thankful you've given the Holy Spirit to teach us. So Lord, as we open up your word today... Lord, teach us, may we leave here more in love with you, more in love with your bride, more in love with your body than when we came today, for we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Very important Bible question to ask you, and that question is, what did the science book say to the math book? Wow, you've got problems. 
To which I'm sure you say, no, Smiley, you have problems. And that's so true. You have no ideas how many problems I have. And that's why I am so thankful to be a Christian. Aren't you? I'm so thankful with all my problems, I'm not alone, that I have a Savior who loves me. Aren't you? And not only that, not only do I have a Savior, but I have a church to belong to to help me with my problems. Wow. And sometimes I think, if I'm this messed up with Jesus, if I'm this messed up belonging to the body of Christ, how messed up would I be if I didn't have Jesus and his body in my life? That is a very scary thought, isn't it? And that's why our purpose as a church, our purpose as a church is to make disciples together that we believe that we need Jesus and each other to be disciples, that we need Jesus and each other to make disciples. We can't do it on our own. Listen, the Christian life is a team sport. It's not an individual sport. The Christian life is like football or, or like basketball. It's a team sport. Much more like that than like golf or tennis. It's not something we do alone. It's something we do together. And that's why we've spent four weeks in these same verses. For four weeks, we've been in the same verses, swimming in the same verses. And the point of all four messages has been the same, that a follower of Jesus has three great loves. That we believe that a follower of Jesus, he loves Jesus and he loves one another and loves the lost. So for f- we spent two weeks looking at loving Jesus. And today we're going to look at loving one another. And next week we're going to come back and look at loving the lost. And the Apostle Paul has given us three pictures of what it would look like to love Jesus and love one another and love the lost. The first picture is of a skillful worker, someone who knows how to handle God's Word. And then we looked at a a useful vessel, that those that have cleansed themselves and prepared themselves for every good work. And and we've seen that that, uh, to love Jesus and love one another and love the lost is to, to be a winsome witness. Let me show you this in the passage. Look at verse 22. Flee from youthful lust and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. Listen, pursue being a disciple. Pursue being a disciple maker with others. We do it together. Last week, last week, <clears throat> Logan, our, our student director, preached, and, and he did a great job, and, and he took us to 1 John 4.19. And in 1 John 4, 19, he reminded us we love because he first loved us. That we can only love when we've been loved, and we can only love to the extent that we've been loved. And so if we want to love Jesus, we need to let him love us first. As he loves us, we can love him. As he loves us, we can love one another. As he loves us, then we can love lost people. And so this morning, we're going to unpack and explore what it means to love one another how we can do it, and and what would it look like. Um, As we begin to do that, I I have to say the last couple of weeks for me have been, I've been like a kid in a candy shop. I mean, some of you uh, have been reading through Galatians with us and and Ephesians, and and those who you have, it's been good, hasn't it? Matter of fact, two weeks ago, we read through Galatians, and a lady in our small group, a lady in our small group said, you know, listen, th- you challenged us to read Galatians four days this week, because a lot of people read devotions, but you can actually read the Bible. And she says, I read through Galatians, and it was so good. Listen, if you're a Christian, if you're a Christian, you can read the Bible. You've been given the Holy Spirit. You can do it. And I would plead with you, let's do this together. This week we're going to read through Philippians. Will you do it? We're going to see today that Galatians was about the gospel. Ephesians was about the church. Philippians is about joy. Where's your joy level? Would you like to take your joy level and and raise it up? Then won't you, four days, a chapter a day, for four days to raise your joy level. The theme of the Philippians is joy. Oh, two weeks ago, 
we're reading in Galatians, and every morning getting up, it was like being in a candy store. There was so much good because Galatians is all about the gospel. It's all about good news. Don't you love good news in a world filled with bad news? Oh, and it, and it, and in good news, we love to say the gospel is that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. As we were reading through Galatians, what we saw is that Jesus did everything for us so that when we believe in him, we could have everything. Oh, I was reading in Galatians 2, and I saw the most unbelievable verse. Did you see it? Galatians 2, 20. I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Did you hear that? Jesus lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. John 3.16 says Jesus gave himself for the world. But I read this verse. And Jesus gave himself for me. He gave himself. Can you believe that? But why did he do that? Why did he need to give himself for me? You see, the bad news of the gospel, he gave himself for me because I have a sin problem. And it's not just my problem. The Bible says for all of sin and falls short of the glory of God, that a sin is a crime against God. It could be something we do. Man, I disobeyed my parents. Did anybody else do that? I was disrespectful to my parents. Anybody else like that to your parents? Listen, I've stolen things. Have you? Sin could be something that we do. It's a crime against God. It could be something we say. Man, have, have you ever told a lie? I have. Have you ever spread gossip? I have. Have you ever said something unkind? Those are crimes against God. It could be thoughts that we have anger, lust. The Bible says that we have committed crime after crime against God, a God who's just, and He says what we deserve is hell. And when we see God, and then we see our sins, and then we see Jesus, He gave Himself for me. He gave Himself for you. That's the good news, that God the Son put on flesh and came and lived a perfect life, and climbed on the cross, and gave himself for me and you. My sins, your sins, placed on Jesus. He experienced the wrath of God for us, staying on the cross until he could cry out, it is finished. He died, he was buried, but the third day he rose from the grave, proving he had conquered sin and death, because death is the penalty for sin, and having paid it in full, he walked out proving he had conquered sin and death. You do know that's why we're meeting on Sunday, right? The reason we're meeting on Sunday is that was the day He rose. And you know what He offers to us? Eternal life, forgiveness for our sins, the chance to do life with Him and eternity with Him. And I want you to understand something. People are forever. Every one of us has an immortal soul. And we're either going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven or we're going to spend eternity apart from Him in hell. And that's why it's so important that we receive Jesus as our Savior and Lord because that's how we receive eternal life. Where do you want to spend eternity? How do you want to do life? Don't you want to do it with Jesus? Don't you want to be with Him forever? Oh, the verse that changed my life is when Jesus said, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in to him and will dine with him and he with me. Oh man, I'll never forget, Jesus said, Smiley, you have made a mess of your life, so true, and I'm going to move in and forgive you, and let's do life together. Let's do eternity together. And I said, yes, and I received him, won't you? One day it'll be too late, don't wait. Well, how do we receive him? Well, it starts when we admit, and you can do that now, or as I close in prayer, I'd be glad to help you. But I said, Jesus, I've sinned against you, and I'm sorry, won't you? And then when I understood that he gave himself for me, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. And, and, and then I received him, Jesus, come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. And I want you to be the Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. And he did. 
won't you? What an amazing thing. I go to bed at night forgiven. Do you? That I get to do life with Jesus. I have a friend who never leaves and a purpose big enough to give my life to. Listen, I have a future. Do you? That's the gospel. Oh, I, I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God. Jesus moved in. I get to do life with Him. He says, follow me. Who wouldn't want to follow Him? Oh, I live my faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself up for me. Oh, so in Galatians, every day, all four days, I read about the gospel and I fell more and more in love with Jesus, didn't you? And I was reminded over and over again that Jesus plus nothing equals everything, that Jesus did everything so we could have everything. And if Galatians was all about the gospel, when I got to Ephesians, I thought, man, this can't be as good as, as, as Galatians, but it, it really was. Ephesians is all about the church. It's all about the church. And if we're going to love one another, we need to understand Ephesians. Again, I felt like I was a kid in a candy store. All these verses about the church. Oh, I was reading uh, remember Ephesians 3 this week? Uh, remember um, in, in Ephesians 3, verse 8, to me, the very least of all the saints, the Apostle Paul is writing, this grace was given to me to preach to the Gentiles the unfathomable riches of Christ. <laughs> Paul says, Jesus saved me, and I get to share with others the gospel, the unfathomable riches of Christ. Now notice what he says, and to bring to light what is the administration of the mystery which for ages has been hidden in God who create, created all things so that the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and the authorities in the heavenly places. Oh, something was happening in the Roman Empire the world had never seen. The world had been separated, Jew and Gentile. And as Paul preached the gospel in one church, former enemies were worshiping God together. They were loving one another. And the angels said, wow, God, that's the most amazing thing I have ever seen. Do you know that God is showing off to the angels of what He's doing in the church? Jesus loves the church. Do, do we? Oh, the angels said, Jesus, you're amazing. You took Saul, who used to take people who were alive and put them to death, and you so changed him that now he partners with you to take people who are dead and see them raised from the dead. And Jesus, you're just too amazing. You took a Jew's Jew and you used a Jew's Jew to take the gospel to the Gentiles. You're amazing. Don't you feel like that? I sure do. Man, I was a disrespectful, disobedient delinquent. And Jesus saved me and changed me. And I get to, I get to share with others the unfathomable riches of Christ. I get to be a part of what Jesus is doing, of showing the angels the amazing grace of God. Oh, man. Listen, to love one another, we love one another because Jesus loves the church, loves the church. And in Ephesians, he gave us two beautiful pictures to describe, to describe his love for the church. He says the church is his bride and the church is his body. The reason we love one another is the church is his bride, his body. Don't you remember reading that this week? Wasn't it so good? Oh, <clears throat> In Ephesians 5, um, <clears throat> let me get the right verses here. Here we go. Ephesians 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives. 
Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, we love one another because Jesus loves his church. It's his bride. So that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, that he might present to himself the church in all her glory, having no spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she would be holy and blameless. Oh, do you know how many people tell me, you know, smiling, I, I love Jesus, but his, his church is so lame? Can you imagine having a friend and saying, you know what, I love you, but your bride is repulsive? You'd never say that, would you? But that's what we say about his, his bride. Oh. Now, uh, the church is meant to raise questions. I mean, couples raise questions, don't they sometimes? I mean, usually, come on, can we be honest? Usually, if you have a good-looking guy, he's married to what? Come on, what? To a good-looking girl, right? Don't you? Doesn't that? But sometimes, there are couples who raise questions, right? Come on, you think it too. You see some really good-looking guy, and he's married to someone, and she's not a looker, and you go, what? What does he see? And you see the same. You see this gorgeous lady married to this guy, and you say, what does she see? Because it raises questions. If Jesus loved a beautiful bride, no one would sing amazing grace. How sweet the sound. But when we see Jesus loves His bride, that's why we sing. How? How? How could He love her? How could He love her? And that is amazing grace. Now, uh, we love His church because the church is His bride. And, and I'm about to wade into something where a lot of you are going to get mad at me. Should I do it? You want me to? Go ahead. Okay, now, now it's the women who are going to hate me. I'm sorry. Because I'm, you know, in America, in America, the wedding is all about the, help me, the bride. It's all about the bride. It's her idea and she plans it and all. But if you read the Bible, the wedding's all about the groom. Have you noticed that? Like the parable of the ten virgins they're all waiting for the groom. And I want you to know, we often talk about how the Bible is one story with four chapters. The fourth chapter is called consummation. It's about a wedding. It's about a wedding, but the wedding is all about the groom and not about the bride. Let me show you. In Revelation 19, Then I heard something like the voice of a great multitude and like the sound of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and be glad, and give the glory to Him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His bride has made herself ready. I mean, we do a wedding, right? And, and then in walks the bride, and everybody stands upright, and they all sing what? Here comes the bride. Oh, but when the groom comes back to get his bride, no one will be singing, here comes the bride. People will say, here comes Jesus. Here comes the groom to take the bride that he loves so much, and that wedding is the consummation of history. Oh, so what it's saying here, made herself ready, it was given to her to clothe herself in fine linen, bright and clean, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saint. So now the church is preparing herself for the wedding. That's why we invite other people, come and meet Jesus. We want to make His bride beautiful, and that's why we want to grow as Christians, because we're preparing ourselves for the wedding of the ages. And that's exactly... <clears throat> what the passage we're reading this morning is talking about. Remember when we read in verse 22, Now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. The wedding's coming. The wedding's coming. Get ready. 
Come on, ladies, when you had your wedding, didn't you have a team of people getting you ready, didn't you? We do this together. You had a team of people to, to, to make sure you were nice and clean and, and to do your makeup and to put on your, so you were ready for that. Oh, man. You see, as a church, what we want to do is help each other throw out of our lives all those things we don't want on our wedding day. And we gather together to help us put on all those things that will make us beautiful to Jesus on our wedding day. We're helping one another prepare for the wedding of the ages when the groom comes to get his bride. And the reason we love one another is because Jesus loves His church. And we love one another because we're His bride. Um, You know what the church is? The church is deeply flawed and greatly loved at the same time. That's who we are. The bride of Christ, listen, is deeply loved and greatly flawed at the same time. You know what the church is meant to be? The happiest and, and, the, and humblest fellowship on earth. Now, I know Disney says they're the happiest. But the church is meant to be filled with people who have the biggest smile on their face because they cannot believe, as flawed as they are, that Jesus would love them so. And so we love one another because we're the bride of Christ, deeply loved and deeply flawed at the same time. But I told you there were two pictures in Ephesians, right, of the church. One is His bride. The other is His body. Did you see that when you read that this week, that the church is His body and we love one another because we're the body of Christ? In Ephesians 5, verse 23, For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, He Himself being the Savior of the body. Oh, Jesus loves the church. He thinks His church is beautiful. His church is His body. Verse 28, so husbands ought also to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his own wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it, just as Christ also does the church, because we are members of his body. Wow. For this reason... A man shall leave his father and mother and shall be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is great, but I'm speaking with reference to the Christ and the church, that our weddings are a picture of the wedding. Jesus gave himself for his body. Uh, Yet people tell me, you know, I, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. It's just his church I can't stand. I don't believe there's a husband in here foolish enough to tell his wife, I love you, but your body is repulsive. (laughs) If we wouldn't say that to our wives, how could we ever say that to Jesus? Hmm? Listen, at Good News, we believe the church is the body of Christ and His primary means of accomplishing His purposes in the world today. Remember when Jesus was here on earth? He said, what? It's to your advantage that I go away. What? He said, it's to your advantage that I go away. How could it be to our advantage? Because when Jesus was here on earth, His body was in one place. His body was in one place. But then Jesus, He he died, He was buried, He rose, He ascended into heaven. The Holy Spirit fell and the church was birthed and now there's local expressions of the body of Christ all over the world and good news is a local expression of his body there's a place there's a place where we can belong to his body Um, that's what 2nd Timothy is about now flee from youthful lusts and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. We all have a longing for belonging, and when we get Jesus, we get a community. It's so important after we connect to Christ, we connect to a local express of His body, and we join it because we need a place to belong. How many Christians say, you know, I don't feel at home in our culture. Well, we're not supposed to be. We belong in the church. 
We're in our culture on a mission. We're on a mission in our culture. But oh, on Sundays, we get to gather with like-minded people, with other people who believe in Jesus, with other people who believe the Bible. It's a place to belong. It's a place to grow. It's a place to be equipped. It's a place to serve, right? Um, I've got a picture for you. Um, Some of you have heard about something called a map, and you say, what is that? On Thursday morning, and, and this is some of them, some were missing, but on Thursday morning, I'm meeting with a group of people who want to be discipled, uh, who, who want to become disciple makers. And I want you to know that disciples make disciples, but tools can be helpful. So what we're doing is we're walking something we call the map. And I'm walking them through this. I am really trying to equip them to be able to win and build and equip and multiply disciple makers so that when we get to the end of the map, they'll be able and go and get someone else and reproduce themselves in the lives of others. That's why we love His church, because Jesus loves the church. We love His church because it's His bride. It's His body. So, I bet you can't guess what our action step is going to be for this week, huh? Oh, it's going to be that we love one another, that we love one another. Do you know, I've been at this for a long, long time, and Sometimes it's kind of hard to love others in the church, isn't it? You guys there, it is hard sometimes, right? And that's why we need Jesus. In 1 John 4, 19, look, we love because He first loved us. It doesn't say that we love one another in the church because everybody's so lovely. <laughs> no, no, no. We love because He loved, and were we lovely? No, but, but He loves us, and since He loves us, we can love one another. Jesus helps us in two ways. First of all, He loves us so we can love other people. He enables us. But secondly, He provides us with a model. What would it look like to love one another? What would that look like? So He says, follow me and I'll show you. Oh, one of my favorite passages on what it means to love one another is John 13. In John 13, and in verse 1, it's the last night of Jesus and His disciples. Now, before the feast of the Passover, Jesus, knowing that His hour had come, that He would depart out of this world to the Father, having loved His own who were in the world, He loved them to the end. What does it mean to love one another? It means that we want to love each other well and we want to love them to the end. Aren't you so thankful that Jesus loved His own and He loved them to the end? And every time I read that, I say, Jesus, help me. I want to love my wife. I want to love her well, and I want to love her to the end. Help me. And I want to love my children, and I want to love my grandchildren. Lord, I want to love them well, and I want to love them. Don't you want to do that? Do you ask Jesus to help you? And listen, as a pastor, I want to love you, and I want to love you well, and I want to love you to the end. Don't you? That's what it looks like. So it's the last night. In a few hours, Jesus is going to be on the cross. And you know what he looks out? He sees a bunch of dirty feet and proud hearts. And you know what he did? He washed their feet. Do you know he washed Judas's feet? And then he said in verse 12, So when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table again, he said to them, Do you know what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, the Lord and the teacher, washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I gave you an example that you should also do as I did to you. We know what it looks like to love one another. Jesus says, I've shown you what it looks like. Oh, Truly, truly, I say to you, a slave is not greater than his master, nor is one who is sent greater than the one who sent him. Now, this is the best part. I mean, he could have said, I wash your feet, now go do it. But notice what he says. If you know these things, you are blessed if you do them. Listen, if you know these things and you want to be happy, then serve others the way I've served you. Who was the happiest person in that room? It was Jesus. You know why? Because he was serving others. And all those proud hearts and dirty feet in our homes, everyone waiting to be served, Jesus says that's an opportunity for your happiness. At church, 
All the opportunities to help in children's ministry or to lead a small group, all those are opportunities for your happiness. Jesus said, follow me. The way to happiness is to serve the way I've served you. Some of you aren't convinced. Recently, Karen and I got into it, and uh, I'm sure it was my fault. But she went out for a run, and, and I noticed the bed wasn't made. Now, I have to tell you something. I don't understand making beds. I'd never make a bed, but I love my wife. And you know what? I just said, you know, Jesus said the way to be happy is when you see proud hearts and dirty feet to serve. And I started making her bed. And by the time I did, I was so happy. I really was. Jesus is right. Jesus is right. If you know these things, if you know that serving others the way I've served you is the path, and you do them, you'll be happy. And it's so true. There's opportunities for happiness everywhere in our home, isn't there? And in our church, if we only believe Jesus and followed His model. Oh, you see, here's the context for John 13, 34, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another, even as I have loved you, that you also love one another. Now notice, people often say, well, Smiley, why don't you just say love God and love others? Why do you say love Jesus, one another, and the lost? Because Jesus says, I'm giving you a new commandment. Yes, we're to love our neighbors. Yes, we're even to love our enemies, but we are especially called to love one another in the body of Christ. And then he says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Is there enough evidence to convict you that you're a disciple? Because people can tell by you that you love one another in the body of Christ. Oh, and I want you to know, sometimes... Sometimes it's easy to leave love one another, isn't it? Because when the church acts like Jesus, she is so beautiful, right? Winning people to faith in Christ, discipling people, taking meals to those. It's beautiful, right? But sometimes, sometimes the church is like the bride from hell, right? Like bridezilla. But you know what happens when I see Bridezilla? I look up. And you know what Jesus says? Isn't my bride beautiful? Isn't my body beautiful? And you know what I find myself doing then? That's when I sing. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Look at us. We're flawed and so loved at the same time. So listen, when we gather on Sundays, let's gather as deeply flawed and deeply loved people. Let's gather together. It's the happiest and humblest place on earth. And would you please, no matter what time you come, would you come five minutes earlier, would you? Whatever time you come, would you come five minutes earlier? Because Jesus said that people would know that we're His disciples if we love one another. And wouldn't it be great if you were here early enough so that when a guest came, that you could welcome them the way Jesus welcomed you into His family? Wouldn't that be great? Would you do that? And, and listen, would you stay? Would you stay five minutes longer? It's been a while since I've talked about it, but I'd really love for, to reinforce Re, uh, apply the five-minute rule. New people, you say, well, what is that? Would you, would you take the first five minutes after each worship service and don't talk to the people in your small group? Don't talk to your friends. Would you go and find someone new? Would you go and find someone new and would you welcome them? Remember what Jesus said. He said what? By this all men will know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another. So listen, as we gather on Sundays, let's gather as a deeply flawed and deeply loved, the happiest and most humble fellowship on earth. And then as we scatter, as we go out Monday through Saturday, listen, let's smile and rejoice. And when people say, how are you so happy? You can say, 
because I belong to the happiest and, and, and humblest fellowship on earth where we're deeply loved and deeply flawed at the same time. Who do you know who's flawed? Who do you know who would love to hear that there's someone who will love them when there's flawed and there's a place where they can belong? Do you realize that loneliness, loneliness is an epidemic in our country. There is a huge health crisis of loneliness. And we have the solution. We have Jesus and His church. Oh, why not invite someone? Come, come, come and meet Jesus. Come and be a part of the happiest and humblest fellowship on earth. Um, aren't you glad? Aren't you glad? Wouldn't you want others to be glad too? Won't you invite them? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for coming to rescue hell-bound sinners. Thank you for dying on the cross for our sins. Thank you for rising. Thank you for offering us the greatest gift ever, eternal life. And listen, if you've never received this gift, won't you? Don't wait until it's too late. Won't you tell Jesus, Jesus, I've sinned against you and I'm sorry. And I believe you died on the cross for my sins and rose. And I want you to come in and be my Savior and forgive me and give me eternal life. I want you to be Lord of my life and help me be the person you want me to be. Oh, if you've done that for the first time, won't you mark that on your card? We'd love to celebrate with you. Jesus, for all of us who've received you, thank you that you did it all so we could have it all. Thank you for leaving your church here on earth, a place where we can belong and grow and be equipped. Lord, help us to love the church because you love the church. Lord, help us to love your church because the church is your bride. Lord, help us to love the church because with all of her flaws, she is your body. May we be the humblest and happiest fellowship when we gather together. And Lord, may we be that fellowship as we go out and invite others to know our great Savior and to join us in the happiest and humblest fellowship on earth, your church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen.